y'all. Welcome to today's show episode. Um, it's me. I'm Joy. I'm the only one here today. Um, but it's still going to be a good show because we're going to be talking about great and wonderful things. And so today's show is actually going to be about a movie premiere that I went to. The movie was entitled Fatitude. If you follow me on social media, you know that I've been posting about this. I've been excited about going to go see this film. I'm super happy that, you know, after a few years of it being in the works, it's finally come into fruition. Um, to preface this thing, like the movie in and of itself was awesome. So today I'm going to talk about the highs of the film. I'm going to talk about some somber moments in the film and, you know, maybe in some ways just areas that I guess I think there could have been a little bit of improvement. Um, and so, yeah, that's what today's show is going to be about. I hope that everybody who's listening, everybody who continues to listen will enjoy this episode. Um, and so without further ado, I just want to go ahead and jump right into things and kind of get started. Um, and so, like I said, uh, Fatitude, the movie came out. Um, the premiere was done in Brooklyn, I believe on Thursday. It was November the 2nd. I went to go see it um, and I arrived there. And I was like one of the first people to get there. I was kind of early um, because I was a little paranoid about traffic. Anybody who's ever driven in rush hour traffic in New Jersey and New York knows that that can be an issue. And I was like, not me, not today. So I um, I tried to get to the actual place early um, and I arrived in Brooklyn and I was about maybe an hour, hour and a half early. Um, so I went and I kind of got me some lunch and stuff, found a place to park, a legal place to park. I should also add because two weeks prior I was in New York and my car got towed. Um, and so, um, that was like a good, you know, $300 kind of down the drain whenever you calculate how much they pay or how much they charge me for having it. They put a ticket on my car, y'all. And then they took it. And so um, when I finally got my car out of tow, because I didn't know where it was, I had to search for it. Um, when I finally got my car out of tow, um, it was $185 to get my car out of tow. And then there was a ticket on my car for $115. So I don't know, just an, an additional $300 to pay. So needless to say, it was of great importance for me to get to New York early and to find a viable parking space so that whenever I came out of the premiere, I would actually, you know, have something to drive home in. So that's what happened. So I get to the theater um, and I, you know, I go in, I see some people that I, I know, we greet each other, we're happy, we're excited, we kind of get caught up. And then um, the movie obviously people come in, the directors come up, they kind of greet the crowd, everybody's cheering, everybody's excited, and then the movie starts, right? And so kind of give, kind of to give you a an idea or just a background of the movie itself, for people who may have not have followed the movie um, as closely, Fatitude the movie is a movie that kind of documents, it's a documentary, so it's a movie that tells about the struggles of living in a fat phobic type society, right? These pressures that whether it's through culture, whether it's through society, whether it's through, you know, your friends and your family, just different things that fat people have to deal with um, that oftentimes um, goes unseen to people who are smaller than us or, you know, is 
the type of treatment that we receive um, is, is often viewed as something that's acceptable, something that's funny, you know, things of that nature. And so Fatitude kind of is a documentary that set out to to kind of talk about it and expose the type of treatment that fat people um, typically go through through their lived experiences on a daily basis. And so the movie originally started out, or at least I first heard about the movie a few years ago, um, the making of the movie. And that was like in 2014. Um, And at the time, there was a Kickstarter that was being done to help fund the movie. Um, And so as a result, the movie itself, one of the reasons why the movie got placed on hold or why it's taken it um, so long to kind of come into fruition was that um, internet trolls like hit this movie bad. And people were, the directors of the films was receiving death threats from people. Every, I mean, people were harassing her, just a lot of internet trolling. And as a result, um, you know, her safety was kind of in danger and it kind of put a hamper on the progression of the film. But let me tell you something. When I tell you that the final product, even though it was, you know, was three years in the making, the final product of the film was awesome and was absolutely positively worth waiting for. I lied to you not. Like this film was just great. It was like awesome. And so there were um, two directors um, in this film in particular. And so one of them I've already mentioned, um, Lindsay Averill, Averill, I'm sorry, Lindsay Averill was one. And then the other one, and I apologize if I butcher uh, their names, but it was uh, Revi Diana Lieberman. Um, and so both her and Lindsay um, both kind of worked hard to put this, this project together. Um, and it's a documentary, like I said, the documentary, it lasted for roughly about an hour and 45 minutes. And it was just, you know, from from beginning to end, there were things that like popped up on the screen. And as a as a group, you know, at times I just kind of felt like we were almost, you know, even though we were all spread out and we were sitting in different places, it was like collectively we were kind of high fiving each other as we were watching the film because there's so much of the film that kind of relates to, you know, the lived experiences of fat people. Or if you, you know, if you consider yourself an ally in the struggle for fat rights and fat liberation like there's just so much that you could relate to so there were you know whether it be talks about being able to find you know the right clothes to wear or um, how people treat you whether it's at the medical office the discrimination that you face from doctors and nurses there was just a lot of information uh, for me myself that I was like yes yes to all of this Yes, I know what it's like to go into a shopping store and not being able to find clothes. I know what it's like to go into shopping stores and be ignored by people because they don't feel like, you know, you're in the right place to actually buy their clothes. Um, They feel like you're in the wrong, you know, you're in the wrong space. I know what it's like to go to the doctor's office and, you know, be charged or yeah, well, yeah, ultimately be charged for blood work, right? That you don't need. Um, Doctors want to test you for diabetes when, you know, you you're coming in to find out about, you know, a sprained ankle that you have. I know what that's like. I know what it's like for doctors and nurses to treat you differently because they feel like you're not 
you're not educated enough to know about your own body. I know it's like for people to treat you differently. One of the things in the movie that kind of came up was um, there was a, a man and he was talking about how people kind of treated him like he was uneducated when it came to issues of food, just simply because of his body size. And, you know, one of the things that he kind of pushed back on was that, you know, he's had to read labels his whole life like he he's had to be made keenly aware of the things the foods that he eats because society makes that such a big deal for people who have larger bodies and so why wouldn't he be educated about it but that's kind of like an ongoing struggle that I think a lot of fat people find that people you know consider us to be uneducated when it comes to matters of food because you know, because obviously, right, if you were, if you knew, if you were as educated as you say that you are, then you wouldn't be this big. And that's kind of what, you know, what it kind of ties back to those sentiments and those ideas. Um, but there were a lot of laughs also in the film, for sure. Um, there were a lot of jokes that were being told, um, you know, just to kind of lighten the mood, but also, you know, there was so much truth that kind of was threaded throughout, you know, the things that, you know, the things that we laughed about, the things that, you know, we, we, you know, we found common ground on and the film in and of itself. I mean, I think it was just highlighting in a lot of ways. Um, like I said, a lot of the things that fat people go through that, you know, people just typically, you don't even give, you know, you don't give a second thought about it. Um, especially, you know, if it doesn't, if it doesn't pertain to them. And so, you know, the same way we talk about white supremacy and we talk about white privilege, um, we can also extend those meanings to also mean thin privilege, right? And so there are certain things that thin people, smaller people, people who are not criticized about their weight or their image have to worry about. They don't have to think about it. You know, they don't have to think about when they walk into stores, whether or not stores have sizes for them. You know, they they don't think about what it you know, the pressure that that can be applied to other people when they eat in public. Nobody you know, nobody says those things. And, um, you know, one of the one of the people in the documentary um, kind of mentioned, you know, oftentimes when we talk about fat bodies and we talk about um, fat people and their behaviors, a lot of people like to center the idea around health. Right. So it's about an individual's health. That's why we are concerned. That's why we are saying these things. That's why we're fighting against those things. Uh, but like one of the speakers said, it's like if you are not walking around and doing the same thing to people who are smoking or doing the same thing to smaller people who are eating at fast food restaurants, if you're not walking through the supermarket and taking things out of their cars, right, then and in all reality, your quote unquote concern is not, you know, is not as genuine as you think. And it's really rooted in these issues of fat phobia is rooted in these ideas of, you know, that we as a society don't like fat. We don't like fat. We like big things on everything else. We like big houses. We like big cars. We like big bank accounts. We like those types of things, but when we start to talk about people, there is a concerted effort, um, whether it be by pharmaceutical companies, whether it be by the medical field, whether it be by popular culture that screams, that says um, being in a larger body is problematic, right? And it shouldn't be something that is accepted. And we know for the most part that this is a more new idea, so to speak. And it's not 
and it's not universally specific, right? So there are certain places that you will go in the world where people who have larger bodies are revered, are, you know, are respected, are honored. Um, and a lot of that kind of ties to this idea of surplus or what people have available. So in places where there's not as much resources, people who have larger bodies are seen to be of higher status. Whereas as as we are in, in this country where we're in a place of surplus in some ways, now we see that the opposite is happening, right? So people who are, I don't want to use the word disciplining their bodies, but people who are um, forcing their bodies to conform to a certain way, particularly a way that is not um, as accessible to everyone, those bodies are kind of seen as to be in more value. And so, I mean, the film was was great and kind of, you know, kind of grabbing that, grabbing that idea, kind of clearly explaining what that looks like, what that means, and a whole host of different contexts, right? And so, you know, when we talk about the medical field or we talk about pop culture, we talk about fashion, we talk about um, sex, we talk about sexuality, um, the film was great. Definitely got the idea of what it means to be fat phobic in society, what it means to be fat phobic in the medical field, what it means to be fat phobic in pop culture, um, what it means to be fat phobic, you know, when we start talking about, you know, sexuality, right? And that fat people can be seen um, as more than fetishes, right? Can be seen as more than these hyper hypersexual individuals or the people who get the crumbs you know, that fall from the table, that there are people out there who actually love themselves, who are very sexual, who love their bodies, and there are people who love them, you know, not just focusing on their bodies in and of themselves, but actually love them as people and as human beings, and um, not to see past their bodies, but to actually accept their bodies and love them as is. So, whew, that was a lot. I mean, it was great. Definitely captured those things. Um, there were some, 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 some instances too where you know you kind of you could hear the reactions in the crowd from people and how they felt about different things. And so I remember there was an actual segment um, about Dr. Oz and how you know he was kind of pushing this idea of like weight loss and people dropping all this weight in a short amount of time. And you could hear people like groaning, people sucking their teeth in the you know in the theater, just like you know, there were just certain things that they weren't going for. Um, and so it was good to kind of be in a company of individuals. Like we all felt the same, right? Like we all were able to connect and we were all able to understand like, you know, the ways in which society has been duped into believing that smaller bodies are inherently better. And so that was, that was definitely great. And then, you know, there were also some surprises, right? And so maybe a surprise for me, um, like, you know, so the documentary in and of itself was like the Fat Activism Hall of Fame. Like, that's kind of how I felt. I felt like everybody that I was looking at on, on the screen, the people that were, you know, the people that were being featured in this documentary, I seen them before, whether it was on Instagram, whether I've read, you know, work that they've done in the past, whether I read about them in the history of fat activism and fat liberation. So it was kind of like the stars, the who's who of fat activism was in this film. And it was great to see everybody. It was great to kind of, you know, kind of be able to be in one place and, and talk about these things. 
Um, but then there were some surprises. And for me, I think the biggest surprise that that actually um, somebody that was featured in the film was Ricky Lake. And it was interesting because when she first showed up on the screen, again, you heard like the gas <laughs> from like from the group and it almost like a like, what is she doing here type of feel. Um, and she kind of talked about in a, in a, you know, in a little bit, in a sense, like her own journey, her own struggle about weight and, you know, the things that she had gone through and the things that she had been through um, and how in a lot of ways she no longer ascribes to this idea of weight loss and, you know, and those things. And so for people who don't know who Ricky Lake is, if you were born anytime in the 80s and you got to stay home from school in the 90s, you should know who Ricky Lake is, right? So like she had her own talk show and she was, in the beginning when she first started out, she was a pretty large size woman. But she had her own talk show. So in some ways she was kind of defying the odds of what fat women could and could not do um, and the visibility that she had as a fat woman. Um, and then she later went on and she got weight loss surgery. And so that's kind of where some of that disgruntledness comes from, from other members. And, you know, she still kept her show. Um, and over time, she kind of lost popularity. But at one point, you know, she was on that weight loss train. She was on the weight loss surgery train. Um, but to kind of hear her talk now and just to kind of understand and maybe see, you know, through her own lived experiences that what the story that she was told about weight also wasn't an accurate story, right? It wasn't the full picture of, um, of what everybody else kind of said that it was. And so it was definitely kind of a surprise to kind of see her featured in the film. Um, and she did have a good amount of things to say and they did feature her um, in some of the roles that she played um, in the past. And so sometimes, you know, when you look at somebody's present, it's hard to remember, you know, their past and, you know, how she was happy as a fat woman and how she was kind of living her life up until the point to where she decided to get weight loss surgery. So that was definitely a surprise, but it was a surprise, you know, I'm happy that it was a surprise in a pleasant way um, and that there was no, you know, no foolishness on her end as far as um, what she added to the documentary. Um, and it's also good to kind of see that people are kind of changing their tunes because, you know, in order to kind of fight this idea of fat phobia, um, it is in some ways a collective effort Um that people need to, you know, as a society, we got to kind of come together and and change the narrative around what we think healthy is and how that functions and works and what bodies are acceptable and what bodies are not. Being in this place, kind of seeing different people have a change of heart was definitely a good thing, a good look, a good feel. And so kind of moving on from there, right? So we kind of talked about the good. We talked about the history of fatitude. Um, there were also some somber moments, more so now, I think, than before when talking about fat acceptance. People tend to harp on, you know, what it means to be like fashionably fat, right? And so like there's a lot of, you know, what to wear, what not to wear, how to dress this way, how to still be sexy, how to do these, you know, 
you know, how to live your best life, how to zip line, how to do, you know, whatever. And a lot of that is kind of centered around recreation and, 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 you know, and the extra stuff. But there are very somber moments to why it is that that the need for fat acceptance is so important, right? And why fat acceptance in a lot of ways is tied to these issues of activism and and change in society, right? Like it's bigger than just wanting to go out and wear clothes in your size. And being, you know, being in fashion, pushing for more inclusivity when it comes to fashion can definitely be a tool used for activism. But for those who are not interested in fashion, they still need another avenue. And part of that is because a lot of what is attached to issues of, um, you know, of fat acceptance, like fat acceptance in some ways um, runs parallel with people who have suffered from eating disorders. Um, And those individuals are often overlooked because their bodies are bigger. And so you have people who who suffer from binge eating disorders. You have people who suffer from anorexia. Yes, you can be fat and still suffer from anorexia. You have people who suffer from these, um, you know, who suffer from bulimia who who binge and purge um, and those people are not getting the treatment that they need because nobody is believing or I shouldn't say nobody but I'll say that there are people who are not believing that they actually suffer from an eating disorder because you know if you're fat obviously you're eating right which can't be further from the truth and so there were certain parts in the film um, that kind of stuck out to me, particularly when I believe it was Deb Bugard that was talking about um, how um, how they detect eating disorders in people who have smaller bodies. And oftentimes how they detect eating disorders in people who have smaller bodies are the same things that people wind up prescribing to people who have bigger bodies um, in order for them to lose weight. And so, you know, this idea that, you know, you should restrict your eating, you should restrict your diet, you know, um, people, you know, they want you to do different things, whether it be, you know, weird things like cleanses. Um, I've heard of people doing things like fast days. So there's just certain one day out of the week, you don't eat at all. Different things like that uh, in hopes of people losing weight. And then kind of to couple that for people who, you know, if that doesn't work or if you are of a larger size, then there are a lot of people who qualify for weight loss surgery. And so, you know, the film kind of talks about how, you know, weight loss surgery in and of itself is unethical, where you have people who are or medical professionals who take a very, you know, a healthy functioning organ like someone's stomach and they cut it, they chop it off in hopes of people just being smaller. So, you know, you have these different things that are happening. And I know that there are other different types of weight loss surgeries besides, you know, just getting your your stomach cut off. So whether it's a sleeve or whether it's something else, but you're, you are permanently, um, in some ways, um, some of those things can kind of go back. There's a reversal system to some of them, but you are altering the natural way that the body works in the hopes of, people obtaining a certain size in their body. And the thing is, it's like our bodies do not, you know, my body does not comprehend that. My body does not know what a Coke bottle is. My body does not know what a pear is. 
So if these things are what are, you know, currently trending in society, like your body has no knowledge of that whatsoever. What your body knows how to do is function. Um, And so to force your body into a place so that you can be on trend is is not only dangerous but in a lot of ways it's deadly and there are a lot of people who lose their life on the table when it comes to weight loss surgery there is a an extreme risk for death or in a lot of ways like your body just doesn't function the way that it used to after you have weight loss surgery there's also you know there's not a lot of mentioning of how people who typically have weight loss surgery regain the weight within five years So now not only are you without a good portion of your stomach, you're also the same size that you were before. Um, And nine times out of 10 on supplements for the rest of your life because your body's not getting the type of nutrients that it needs. And so, you know, there is another side to, to this idea of fat acceptance that is outside of fashion. And I think there was actually one model um, who was featured in the film who kind of brought this up and she talked about it and she said, you know, that you can have fat acceptance outside of fashion and that it's important to do so because whether I am dressed nice or whether I'm dressed in what people call moo-moos as a fat person I still deserve the same respect as everybody else I still deserve the same amount of access to resources as everybody else Um, and the size of my body or whether it's made up or whether my face is beat you know what I mean whether I'm wearing nice shoes nice clothes whatever that should not be a determinant of whether or not I have you know accessible means to the things that I need in society and so those moments were definitely something that um, that stuck out to me. There was also a portion of the film where um, one of the winners from The Biggest Loser was on there and she kind of talked about, you know, her struggles. Um, and she said, you know, she was proud of herself because for the year in which, you know, at the time when 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 the documentary was recorded, she said for this for this year, she had eight every day. And she said last year she didn't eat for at least 27 of those days. And um, and so, you know, you just kind of start to think about what it means to be, you know, once you find yourself in this place of weight loss and once you are focused on the scale and how, you know, you definitely, you know, become obsessive about how much weight you lost, how much you ate, how can you stop yourself from gaining weight? What can you do? And I can attest to this personally myself. I've been in this situation. I know what it's like, you know, to make sure to having your back, you know, having the back of your mind. Oh, I I haven't exercised for two days. What does that mean? Oh, I don't want to step on the scale. What if I, you know, what if I gained? If I step on the scale, like, why did I gain weight? Why am I not losing? You know, and it is, it's, it's kind of like a, um, you know, you get very obsessive about your goals. You get very obsessive about how you are going to alter your body to fit into this idea of what you think, you know, healthy is. And even in the film, they kind of talk about, you know, how health in and of itself is extremely subjective. And I know I've said this before on past episodes, you know, it is true. Like health is very subjective. What works for one person will not work for another. And furthermore, if I choose not to be healthy, that is my business. 
it's not something that should be determined by outside factors. Um, and more so, it should not determine the type of treatment that I get from other people um, just because I'm choosing not to do something that they feel like I should be doing. You know, I would imagine that that's part of the, the, the beautiful things about living in this country, right? That not only do we have on some level this idea of freedom of speech, um, but we also have the freedom and the liberty to kind of do um, what we will with our life that's not imposing, not imposing uh, negative consequences for other people. Um, and I know a lot of people, well, this is the reason why health premiums go up. No, it's not. The reason why health premiums go up is because corporations are messy and they are, um, they are greedy and they want to take people's money for whatever they, they possibly can. And so, you know, the film, especially these somber parts of the film, um, definitely kind of gave a different perspective, right? That it's more than, it's definitely more than and bigger than, you know, this idea of fashion and looking nice. And I feel like sometimes that's the thing that gets the most, gets the most exposure. Um, so we are, you know, we are these individuals that, you know, we just want to be able to wear clothes like everybody else. We want to be able to get our hair done like everybody else. You know, I can be sexy. I can be those things. And that's very true. Um, but at the heart of fat liberation and fat acceptance, there is this push, this, you know, for civil rights, there is this push that, you know, I want to be able to get hired and not get paid less because fat people actually do make less than their counterparts. I want to be able to go in for a job interview and not be discriminated against because I have a larger body. You know, I want to be able to, you know, fly on planes without, without having to pay extra money, right? Like, why do I have to pay extra money? And, and, and more so, I mean, if we, if we stay in the line of fashion, you know, I also want to be able to, you know, buy my clothes and not have to pay extra money. Like mediums don't pay larger than smalls. Larges don't pay larger than mediums. Extra larges don't pay larger or don't pay more than large size larges, right? But it seems like after a certain size, then everybody's paying extra, right? And if you don't see the exploitation in that, I think, you know, that's a problem in and of itself. And so, you know, I definitely think that you know, when we are talking about civil rights, when we're talking about people's right to exist um, in the bodies that they have, that's where fat liberation lies. That's like, to me, like that is the core of fat liberation and fat acceptance. It's like, it's a lot less about what you look like on the outside and a lot more about being seen as human, like your humanity matters. And they kind of touch on this in the film too, right? One of the reasons why we feel like, you know, we can, um, I shouldn't say we, but one of the reasons why, you know, oftentimes um, society feels like they can treat people differently is because there's that issue of somebody lacking humanity, somebody seeing, you know, individuals as less than, um, less than human, less than normal, right? Like we're beasting out of things that the, the film kind of talks about, you know, how in movies, right? Uh, fat people are seen as like these people who eat other things, other people, right? And so if you make a cartoon version of someone and all they do is eat other people, to believe that that's not going to transfer in some ways to to real to the real world or how people are seen. Like, no, somebody may not expect somebody else to eat them, but 
you know, they do have a certain negative view about people who are larger in size, you know, and the film kind of talks about too, how, you know, young kids, kids as young as three years old are already starting to develop these ideas about people who have larger bodies and they are negative ideas. And a lot of that comes from the cartoons that they watch. A lot of that comes from the media that they are exposed to. And so what we start to see is that fat acceptance or this push for fat acceptance, this push for a respect for bodies that don't look like yours is necessary on all fronts. Like it's it's in cartoons. Like why do people feel like it's okay to teach kids this at such a young age? Or why do you feel like kids are going to be able to tell the difference between, you know, what you would consider um, something that's funny or that's a joke or, or, or what have you? And a lot of fat phobia, a lot of fat phobic ideas are perpetuated by this idea of like, oh, it's just a joke. Oh, it's not that serious. Oh, people are, you know, oh, people are, uh, we're so offended by everything nowadays. But people don't understand in a lot of ways that, no, like this is a matter of life and death for a lot of people. This is a matter of me having a job or not. Right. Like this is a matter of me being able to start my career. This is a matter of me being able to fly on a plane. This is a matter of me being able to get housing. Right. Or to be respected by my peers. And so it's not as funny as it seems then. Um, and, you know, as a fat person, like we have every right to speak up as a fat person. I have every right not to laugh at your whack jokes. It's not my fault that you can't make real jokes that don't, you know, that don't strip people of their humanity. Like, that's not on us. Like, you should work. Maybe you should work harder. You should work harder at at making better jokes instead of spinning off these old tropes that have that have been old for for forever. And so when we start to look at fat like it's funny, I don't understand what's funny about fat people just being fat. Um. We got to think about the ways in which society like implements that and reinforces those ideas. <sighs> All right. I'm rolling. I'm rolling. Um, and so then there is the last thing that I kind of want to talk about, which will probably be short because, you know, like I said, the film was wonderful and great. <laughs> um, and so the areas of improvement. Um, There was only one big thing that kind of stuck out to me, I think, in the film as a whole um, that I would say in some ways needed an area of improvement. And that was um, just the lack of intersectional voices that I saw. Um, I think that it was kind of evident that there was an effort that was being put forth um, to kind of get uh, get opinions and get the expertise of individuals of different, you know, of different races, um, ethnicities, um, and different things like that. But I do think that there, there could have been a little bit, um, maybe I wouldn't say, you know, cause it's not my project, but I would just say that as a black person sitting in the crowd and looking at, um, the information that was covered, there were a lot of things that as a fat person, I could relate to. As a fat person, I could kind of see and say, yeah, that makes sense. Like, I get it. But as a black fat person, or I should say, you know, there were some things, there were even things that, you know, on some levels as a black woman, I could relate to. Um, But I think things got a little bit complicated when as a black fat woman, 
you know, what that looked like for me. Um, and so there was some talk in there about, you know, the idea of what it means to be a mammy um, and take care of other people. And then like the idea of like hypersexualization. Um, but I also think that there are other issues that black fat women face um, outside of this idea of what it means to be a mammy. So you are totally desexualized um, and what it means to be hypersexual. Um, because there's, you know, like there's more facets to our life in that, in that respect. Um, and then I would also say, you know, even along the lines of like different intersectional identities. So, you know, what is it like to be fat and then also to be, you know, labeled as disabled? Um, what about fat and sexuality um, by means of like, you know, if you identify as queer, if you identify as, you know, um, a lesbian, if you identify those things. And I do think that those identities were in the film, um, but there wasn't a whole lot of talk explicitly about the ways that those identities couple together, um, how that impacts people's lived experiences. And again, like the documentary was already an hour and 45 minutes long, so I get it and I understand that. Um, but I would just say for me, myself, as I kind of watched and looked at those things, like I was happy for it showing up. Like I was happy for, you know, there being a conversation about, you know, race and fat. I'm glad that it made it to the final cut. Um, but at the same time, it did seem to be just slightly, um, just slightly on the surface of things, right? This idea that, you know, what we've always known, or at least um, being a black fat woman, um, you know, what I often always hear. And that's typically, you know, this, the issue of what it means, you know, either you're a mammy or you're, you're totally over-sexualized um, as a black fat woman. Um, but I also believe that there are more stories to be told um, that don't necessarily fit into, um, you know, those two extremes. Um, there are a bunch of black fat women who are somewhere in the middle, somewhere in between those two things. Um, there are a lot of black fat women who face a different type of discrimination when it comes to employment when it comes to um, being hired, when it comes to being taken seriously um, by individuals, by colleagues. Um, if you couple that with, you know, this idea that, you know, black fat women are not just mammies, they're not just over-sexualized, but black fat women are also mean, right? So, you know, if, if people are familiar with the whiz, like Eveline, like she was, she, like she was mean, just, just, she was just mean for no reason. Like, and she sat on a toilet and for people who are not from Philly, a toilet is a toilet, the thing that flushes. So I'll make that clarification. Um, <laughs> but you know, and at the end, like she gets flushed down the toilet. Like, and so if you are black and you are fat and you're growing up in this environment and this is how people feel about Eveline, like, okay, if you think about Oprah and the color purple, like she was fat, but she was also, you know, she kind of had some things about her and she was always angry too. She was going around punching people's lights out. Like, and so again, um, I just think that, you know, there were some, there were some, there were some areas where I think, you know, the idea of intersectionality could have been introduced a little bit more. And I think particularly when it comes to, um, disabled bodies, um, whether that is a disability that people can see or can't see, um, 
I think that that's important. And part of that, too, is because when you look at um, academic research, there's not a lot of things that have been written about fat people with disabilities and how they live their lives. Um, we say it, but we don't really, you know, we don't always, um, it's not, it's not come through, I'll just say in a lot of ways. And so, um, that would have definitely been helpful just for visibility sake. Um, and I think, you know, when we think about intersections, when we think about intersectionality, um, particularly, I think the first thing we jump to is race because, I mean, it was a black woman who wrote on intersectionality, and I think that that should be there rightfully so. Um, but I also think that there are lived experiences, even if it's what it means to be black, to be fat, and to also be disabled. I think sometimes those things are kind of written outside of, or we don't always incorporate them as well as we could. And so, um, kind of closing out here, um, all in all, Huh. If you have an opportunity to go see this film, you should go see it, period. I don't think that anybody would be disappointed. I think that you will sit and you will watch this and it will be an hour and 45 minutes of your life well spent. Um, if you are fat, you will probably find yourself saying, yes, yes, right? Um, if you are skinny, there might be some things. Or if you're a smaller body, if you are unaware of the, the problems, the issues that fat people typically face, um, in society, I think you will find yourself saying like, oh my God, I had no idea, right? I didn't know this was happening. I didn't know that this existed, you know, those types of things. Um, and you'll understand a little bit more why people fight the way that they do. Um, right now, I'm currently working on my dissertation and a lot of this is around these ideas of like fat phobia and where it comes from, right? And these discourses that people have, right? So these you know, how society talks about fat, how, you know, how the fat liberation movement talks about fat, and then how people talk about fat with one another. Um, and you'll start to notice that there are a lot of these ideas that, you know, society has about fat, like it's not just a description when we are talking about people, right? It talks about your, your level of competency. It talks about your, you know, your ability to control your own body, you having discipline. Um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, fat gets in the way, fat obstructs, fat blocks, um, versus, you know, all these things that being in a thin body can afford you. Um, and if you are sending messages like this every day, it is 112% understandable why you would not want to be fat, like hands down. Um, and so the goal at this point is to start changing the narrative because, you know, very much like white supremacy and white privilege, um, it is detrimental to black people, but it also has to come full circle. And so white privilege hurts white people um, the same way that thin privilege will hurt thin people. Right. So, you know, in some ways you are privileged to get these, you know, these certain things um, as a smaller body person. You know, you may be able to get on a plane and nobody asks you questions. You may be able to buy more clothes. You may be able to get the job. OK, but you are also more likely, you know, when things happen to you and you suffer massive heart of attack, heart attacks, nobody takes you. You, nobody sees it. Nobody checks you for it. Why? Because you're smaller and people just thought that you were healthy because your body was smaller. Um, and so that happens. Um, and it comes back to hurt people in ways that, you know, that maybe they don't always see. So it's definitely important that, you know, 
sizeism is something that gets put to an end. This idea of weight stigma, um, or not the idea of weight stigma, but weight stigma as a whole needs to be something that gets crushed. Um, and we need to really start tearing down stereotypes about what fat people, who fat people are, what we do, right? Like if you come in my house, you are not going to see cake stacked to the top. If you come to my house, like you're probably not going to see, you know, somebody who's not physically active, somebody who sits in front of the TV all day. Like that's not what you're going to see. And the idea that floats around that this is what you will see. This is how people, you know, fat people function in their daily life. It's nothing but chips and cakes and cookies and and all of these other things. Um, it's just a gross exaggeration of how people live their lives. And that sucks. Like, I don't want anybody else speaking for me when it comes to those types of issues. Um, and if, you know, and if there can be several different other stories told about people who are smaller bodies, um, that same availability should be made for people who have larger bodies. And so I said without further, I don't know if I said without further ado, but I did say I was closing. So I'm going to go ahead and make good on that because, you know, I'm long winded and, and, and we already know this. And so, um, thank everybody. I like to thank you for, for, for listening today. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for continuously listening. Thank you for all your reviews, your downloads, your shares. I appreciate it. As always, y'all know we have a fresh out the cocoon, uh, Facebook page. There's also um, a Fresh Out the Cocoon discussion page on Facebook that you can join and we can have talks in there. Um, you know, if you're listening to me, obviously you have to find me somewhere. So SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Radio, um, where else? Spreaker, um, Google Play Music. Um, yeah, and so I'm, I'm on all those platforms. If you're interested in merchandise, shirts, T-shirts, y'all, we got sweatshirts, okay? We got sweatshirts. Visit the store. Um, T-shirts are offered in sizes large through 4X. Sweatshirts are offered from largest to 5X. Um, all T-shirts are $25 regardless of the size that you wear. You'll never be charged extra. All sweatshirts are $35 regardless of the size. You'll never be charged extra. Y'all, and it's in time. Like Christmas is coming around. Somebody needs a sweatshirt in your family. Go get them a sweatshirt. Um, support a good cause. Support the voices of people who are, you know, out here kind of doing the work, Um and who are committed to making sure that they provide a platform for other people who are also out here doing to work, doing to work. Yeah, okay, doing the work. Um, and so, like I said, once again, thank you all for listening. I look forward to your feedback. Um, and I look forward to kind of, you know, we are like at the end of the year. So wrapping up the end of the year with y'all. Um, and so, as always, be you and stay fresh. Oh, yeah.